It's time for JT the Brick. So we are open for business again, everybody. I had a dream that someday we'd have a flagship station with the cooperation of the team and the fans that stream globally. JT the Brick. Are we all on board with that? Because if you're not on board with this, you're going to have to enter a mental asylum. If you're not on board with this, it's going to drive you nuts. Jackpot, baby! And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a gorgeous Monday here in Vegas. Hope everyone's doing great. The global hub of the worldwide Raider Nation in Vegas as the Raiders have loaded up, loaded up in the offseason And now we get a chance to review that. The team gets together for workouts. They're able to meet earlier. And we should have some good content coming up here. We always have good content with this lineup. Vinny, everybody was out at the breakers, at the owners' meetings, the content you see here every day. And the the assistance we get from the Raiders with content, with guests and players. And today is another great example as we continue a look back at the history of the Raiders draft. And, man, it's been good. I hope you're enjoying these interviews. We're getting a lot of good feedback, and now this week we go to the 80s, the 1980s, and they gave me Greg Townsend today. And I'm fascinated by this player because many Raider fans have stopped me over the decades and said, JT, this is the guy who is without a doubt the player that gets the least amount of respect from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the rest of the league. Nobody gets this guy except Raider fans. You're the only ones who get it. And Greg Townsend, all-time sack leader, Super Bowl champion. Howie Long gets a lot of credit, rightfully deserved, the Hall of Fame, and one of the greats of all time. But how is Howie in and not Greg? How are others in and not Greg Townsend? And, again, you watched him play. You watched him play, and if you were around during that era, and you know Greg, and, and I met Greg really early in my career with the Raiders because he was always at signings with Cliff Branch. And Cliff became a great fan. I remember going to, going up to Oakland, and they would always seem to be signing at the Raider Image outside that Walmart in that shopping center. And every time I went there for Cliff, Greg was outside, and they were just selling and talking to people. And then I got to know Greg from going to other Raider events, and then he started showing up a lot for the big event in Napa every year where he'd come back. And people would just tap me on the shoulder and say, that guy, that's the guy. I'd be like, tell me. I'd be like, he's unbelievable. Double team, break the double team. If Howie was double teamed, he would do this or that. He's the reason Howie at times wasn't double teamed because Greg was. Just a fascinating deep dive into the history of the Raiders. And then when we, you see those poll questions come out or people are talking, who should be in the Hall of Fame next? And that list is a pretty expansive list. Cliff's getting in this summer. And he was the last of the big, big names from the 70s and 80s that were left off. And Lester Hayes, to me, Lester's next on that list, along with Jim Plunkett. And a lot of people have Jim Plunkett, and I'm cool with that. But what about Greg Townsend? I'm going to ask him that at the bottom of the hour. He's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. And I'd like you to chime in today on Twitter, at JT the Brick, giving me your best Greg Townsend story or a question as we look back at the history of the draft. As we get ready for the draft, the Raiders only have a third-round pick as of now. And they're building out the stage today behind the link for the draft that's coming up. Today, we confirmed another remote that we'll be doing on the Thursday. I got two remotes on Thursday, one for one of our partners, one for the Raiders. Same thing on Friday, one for a partner, one for the Raiders. So going to be really busy on that Thursday, Friday of the draft. And I think you should be too. 
Anybody who's a Raider fan, get a jersey and show up on the Strip. Come support all of our events from the morning all the way up until nights, whatever we're going to do here, and let's go have some fun. Let's enjoy this. Can the Raiders surprise us by moving into the draft? I don't care. I really don't. Devontae Adams was the draft, everybody. Devontae Adams was the draft for the Raiders, and I think 99% of the Raider nation is cool with that. They said, hey, man, you're going to lose out on the draft weekend not having a Raider pick in the first or second round, but you're going to get Devontae Adams. I don't know of a Raider fan that'd say, no, I want the picks. I don't want Devontae. And there's a pretty cool post out there today of Devontae going to work out with Derek, and they're in the car together. So these two guys, forget about it. Forget about it. These two guys are going to be working constantly in the offseason. I mean, does anybody work harder than Derek when he's in the park in Henderson, wherever he is, out by Southern Highlands, wherever he has those workouts with the players and he's throwing every day? And he seems to be really engaged, waiting on that you know, contract extension whenever that comes. Uh, Raiders put out today, 46 minutes ago, that they have re-signed defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins. This is a very important moment, and I'd like to take your calls on this too. Don't wait. Dial now. I can get to you at the end of the monologue. As we're brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. I think it's one of the greatest nights of the years at PT's because the game's on, and you got half-price drinks for the national championship game, North Carolina and Kansas, that I'll get to here in a little bit. Head on out to the PT's location that is closest to you. Watch the national championship game. Enjoy the food opportunity in a game and the thrilling the thrilling drink deals that you get and that's why they have the best happy hour in town so back to Jonathan Hankins this is an important signing for the Raiders for a number of reasons for whatever reason and I think he's a good time player big time Hank is a good player in this league he is not Aaron Donald he's not he's not an elite you know pro bowler in the prime of his career there but he's very good and he proved, I, I guess, to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels on film, and from what they know of him in the past, and Patrick Graham, who's worked with him in the past, that he is worthy to be here. And is probably going to be the starting defensive tackle, considering there's a lot of turnover at that position. Anybody who gets a contract extension under Dave Ziegler proves that they want him in the executive offices, football operations. There's something that they see and they don't want to go down a different road. So whoever the player is, and there's been a bunch of players, you know, if you look at Jonathan Hankins now and you look at other players that have been invited back, this is a really big deal because they they are proving that they deserve to be here. And they're going to be here, Brandon Parker, to have an opportunity to compete. The other guys who were let go and not offered what Jonathan Hankins was offered Not that they're bad football players, but for whatever reason, they don't think the value is right at all, and they don't think they fit the need of what they're trying to do there. So this is a big day for big Jonathan Hankins and his family on a one-year deal. Everybody knows how big this is. You're going to have Chandler Jones on one side, Mad Max Crosby on the other, and Hankins in the middle. And they are going to have to double-team Chandler Jones and Max. So this has to be a monster year for Hankins. He's got to be healthy. He's got to be available, and he's got to demand a double team. Or if he's single-covered, he's got to be more productive. So I'd like the Nation's reaction on that, 702-365-9200. As we're in an interesting time with the Raiders now, there's really not much going on other than are they going to cherry-pick and sign one of these other free agents as the price drops, and who are they going to bring in for these workouts 
knowing that they don't have a first or second round pick. You know, you're seeing a lot of other teams, Jacksonville, bringing in uh, top-tier players because they want to work them out because they have a top pick. Raiders are going to be able to bring in anybody they want to work out, but if you don't have a top pick, it's tough to bring in someone super elite. The player knows you're not going to be able to draft them. You know you're not going to be able to draft them, so is it a waste of time, or do you just want to go through the due diligence and take a look at some of the players here? The draft is important because I think this is how these guys, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, really want to build the team. I truly believe they want to find a way to go out and get undrafted players, late-round picks, and make these guys and coach them up into starters. And that's going to be very important for this franchise going forward because not everybody's going to be brought back. Not everybody's going to get paid. Dark secret. Not everybody's going to get a contract extension that you like. You have their jersey. They're your favorite player. And you think they're going to be here forever. That's not how these guys operate. These guys are bringing in the players that they believe bring value into that position group. Something we knew long before they got here. They put value on the total position group. Linebackers, safeties, corners, offensive linemen. And they want to squeeze the value out of that position group. And maybe they'll be two stars. I mean, look at the value they got on the defensive line. Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. You really can't spend that much more money than what they just did. So you look at that, what are they going to do? Do they need another edge rusher? No. Can they get something more out of a young, non-drafted edge rusher? Sure. But we have no idea if that player is going to be available. And then finally, the offensive line and what they need to do. A lot of Raider insiders are writing about it. Vinny Bonsignor wrote a really good column on how everybody's going to have a chance to prove themselves up front on the offensive line if they can play and make the team here. And it seems like you got to be able to play multiple positions. You know, Illuminor, when you look at some of the players up front, the players that were brought in, Alex Bars, the other offensive linemen that are here, Leatherwood, who's young, for example, you better be able to play multiple positions. you got to be able to play tackle and guard in case of injuries or to move you around. So I, I think that the Raiders have one more really important piece that's right in front of them. They've got to get a proven offensive lineman who's cut down from another team due to either competition, the price, post-June 1st. There's got to be an offensive lineman that the Raiders see value on who gets released, and the Raiders pounce on that player, and we know who the hell he is. We know that the guys played in the league four years, six years. We know that they're not brilliant, but they're good, serviceable, and they might be able to start on the Raiders if they prove themselves in training camp. That's the last big piece for me. Sure, Stephon Gilmore. Some of the other names out there you'd like to see, the value dropping. I went through the list last night. There's like 11 or 12 of the top 101 free agents that are left that are ranked from one, a six from Honey Badger all the way to 70. And the Raiders have a couple of fits there, but clearly the market is not what they're comfortable with. So as we open up the show, that's what I'm starting off with. If you want to comment on Greg Townsend on Twitter or on the phones, or if you want to talk about John Hankins being re-signed and how you see that fit. How do you see that fit with what the Raiders are thinking? And what light bulb went off above your head on this signing with Hankins? Does that lead you to believe that they don't have a lot of depth there and they couldn't afford to lose him, which is part of the story. They couldn't afford to lose him, so they went out and got him. Because if they lose him on top of everybody else they're not bringing back, they got to go rebuild the defensive interior, and that takes a lot of work. Uh, your answer is as good as mine, 702-365-9200.
Great weekend. It was my wife's birthday yesterday. We had a fabulous day. First time in two years we could celebrate my wife's birthday without COVID restrictions. Year one, two years ago, couldn't do anything in complete lockdown. The whole city was closed, literally. There was nothing to do. And last year, again, mandates, masks, whatever you can do, things that were closed. So yesterday was good to get out on the strip, strip, have brunch, went to the Van Gogh exhibit, which was incredible, wild to see that, and had a great uh, weekend in the backyard celebrating that. We're excited. And, oh, it's Masters Week. So we have a couple of golf guests on. I love golf. I love the Masters. If you love the Masters, you're driving around with your golf clubs in the backseat. We'll talk about it from a gaming perspective, uh, how to go out and bet the Masters with a couple of guests this week. And I'd like to hear your winner. And if Tiger Woods, you know, Coach K lost on Saturday, which is massive. If Tiger Woods plays and announces he's a game-time decision, and we find out Wednesday he's going to play on Thursday, that's just going to dominate sports, period. So we got a really good week in front of us. From a big sports perspective, you got the championship game tonight, which we should be watching Tiger Woods potentially Thursday in the Masters. And then the NBA season is wrapping up on Sunday and we'll be able to stick a fork in the Lakers, which I know they'll have a deep effect on Las Vegas because there's a lot of uh, Vegas fans here who are Laker fans. And the start of baseball right around the corner with spring training there. All right, wake up, everybody. Show started 14 minutes ago. I don't like to hear myself for two hours. Let's get the phones going. Let's get people excited. Greg Townsend at the bottom of the hour. And what does this signify with Big John Hankins coming back? Are you good with this defensive cornerstone line here? Or are you looking for something a little bit more? 702-365-9200. Let's take a look at the moving line tonight for the national championship game. Kansas. Opened up minus four and a half, and now it's at four across the strip here. I I think it's going to get to four and a half. I said that before game time here. I just thought there'd be more sharp money and more fans jumping in. Point spread, 59% of the money being bet is on Kansas. All right, money line, no points, money line, 58%. Over-under is about 50-50. That's how books make their money. Action on both sides. The two most popular bets, North Carolina and the under in a parlay, Kansas and the over in a parlay. Kansas is a one seed. Uh, North Carolina is an eight seed. So with that being said, Kansas deserves to be here as the favorite. Here's the final call over the weekend on Saturday when Kansas put away Villanova quite easily. And the number one seeded Jayhawks stay atop the pecking order with an 81-65 win over the Villanova Wildcats. KU is all the way through to the national championship game on Monday night. Westwood won on all these calls. Kansas looked great. They were unbelievable from outside shooting the three. And if they're able to shoot the three that way, they're not going to get beat because they run fast. They're super athletic. They got better players than North Carolina. That's why they were a one seed. So Kansas has got great momentum coming in. And I think they've been playing well with their adjustments. Bill Self is coaching at a high, high level here. North Carolina and the win over Duke was one of the better games that I watched. It wasn't a perfect game, but the drama of Coach K getting eliminated, the backdrop of that game, either Coach K winning or losing, made that must-see television. And I thought Caleb Love, he hit this dagger. He took this three when they were up by one when he didn't need to. And this is where an assassin is born in the tournament. Love 
went the other way, went from his right to left to take a three, which was a very difficult shot. This was the dagger that won the game. 30 seconds to play, 13 to shoot. Love dribbling, gets a screen, three, top of the key. Oh, he got it! Caleb Love gives North Carolina the four-point lead. That made it a four-point lead. So remember, if Love doesn't take that shot, okay, and then they get a two, you know, Coach K can tie it with a three and get a better look than a rush look. The fact that he took that three took balls that you don't see often in college basketball. He didn't need to take that shot, and he caught it off a screen and nailed it in a football stadium where it's hard to hit a three. That was one of the biggest shots of the tournament and propelled North Carolina for the upset win as they advanced to the championship game tonight. Inbound comes to Keels. Keels will water up the floor with six seconds. He'll launch a three at the top of the key. It's no good. Rebound secured by R.J. Davis. Davis will dribble it out, and the Heels kick their rivals to the curb on their way to their 12th national title game. And in the process, in the career of the Hall of Fame coach Mike Krzyzewski, North Carolina 81, Duke 77, it's Kansas and North Carolina playing for the national title on Monday night. Westwood won on the call there. So give it up to North Carolina. It's one of the great rivalry wins of all time. Red Sox, Yankees, Giants, Dodgers, Ohio State, Michigan, whatever you want to talk about. North Carolina has dominated Duke in the last month. They shut down Coach K in his final game at Cameron Indoor in front of 50 former players, NBA players who were there. They knocked Coach K out of the tournament in the final four. And now Coach K's lifetime record against North Carolina is 500. So they send him home into retirement with a 500 record, and they do it that way, and they do it at the final four. So the rivalry is completely flipped. I think Duke was the better team, but Carolina has the bragging rights. And it's going to be difficult for Carolina, it shouldn't be, to get up for the game tonight. I mean, you're playing in the national championship game. But so much emotion went into the series against Duke in the last couple of wins. Can Hubert Davis get that team up one more time and they're not playing Duke? They're playing Kansas, who I clearly think is better than Duke. So this is going to make for a marvelous backdrop tonight. Coach K was classy after the game. He loves his team, but North Carolina got the best of them, and he tipped his cap. Congratulations uh, to North Carolina. Hubert and his staff and those kids have done a heck of a job. And tonight was a, was a battle. I mean, it was a, a game that the winner was going to be joyous and the loser was going to be in agony. And that's the type of game we expected. We would have liked to have been on the other side of it. But I'm proud of what my guys have done. Yeah, it was pretty special to see it. Any way you watch the game. You know, I don't have a dog in the fight there. I picked Duke to win it all before the start of the tournament. But North Carolina, they deserve everything. They just outplay Duke, and they make bigger plays late in the game. That Caleb Love three was a good example. For Coach K, the final time we'll see him at the podium as he says goodbye to his players after a gut-wrenching loss. Is there another message or a certain message that you would give the players with your exit and the fact that, you know, what happened tonight? At some time, let's deal with tonight in the season. We're concerned about all their futures and making sure that uh, we give them good guidance and advice and support in, uh, in how we move forward. 
and uh, they know that I'll always be with them, you know, so they, they know that. And then finally, one more from Coach K, uh, one of the great careers, 13, the greatest career arguably up behind John Wooden, 13 Final Fours, which is huge, five national championships. And he was always in the hunt. He always had great teams once he got the momentum going, dating back to the UNLV rivalry. His last time, tough to hear his voice one more time in that atmosphere. I've been blessed to be in the arena. And when you're in the arena, you're either going to come out feeling great or you're going to feel agony, but you always will feel great about being in the arena. And I'm sure that that's the thing when I'll look back that I'll miss. I won't be in the arena anymore. But damn, I was in the arena for a long time. And these kids, you know, made my last time in the arena uh, an amazing one. It's a great soundbite. You can't imagine. We're all sports fans, right? We're all sports fans. Think of what was going through his mind, holding his wife's hand, going into the tunnel, saying goodbye to his players, consoling them, then having to meet the media saying, that's it, my last time in the arena. I wish he won because I think that would have made tonight's storyline even more unique. But we won't have that to talk about. North Carolina deserves it. You know, when you look at a rivalry against your hated rivalry, a win means more. It means more. It's one and a half. It's not the same as just winning. It's more to it. And what UNC did to Duke I can't imagine what it's like on the UNC campus compared to Duke. Duke's campus has to be the most unhappy sports atmosphere on earth today. North Carolina is going to play in the championship game and Coach K heads off to retirement. That's what sports is about. Getting your heart torn out. Getting crushed. Or the euphoria of winning a championship or getting close and beating your rival. You saw that on Saturday. If you have a reaction to that game, we'd like to hear from you. 702-365-9200. That is the monologue brought to you by Grimaldi's Best Pizza I've Ever Had. Five locations here in the Valley. We have a $50 Grimaldi's gift card to give away this week. We'll do it probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. And our draft coverage continues coming up with Greg Townsend, uh, one of the great defensive linemen in Raiders history. Is he underrated? What's the backstory to his draft story? how he became a Raider, and what happens with the rest of his legacy with the Hall of Fame, and it should be looming. The Raider Nation need to get behind Greg Townsend the way you got behind Cliff Branch and help Cliff on the road to Canton. Maybe we put our focus along with Jim Plunkett, Lester Hayes, all of our friends to Greg Townsend because Raider Nation, you make an impact when you come on in here. And remember Tom Flores' impact on Greg Townsend and vice versa. When we come back, we'll talk about his draft story as the show opens up on a Monday, live from Vegas, where I am very excited for the month of April. Got my wife's birthday behind me. She was very happy, and I got the draft in front of me and a couple other great events. April's a great time in Vegas. The weather becomes perfect before we bake like potatoes in the summertime on the flagship of the Silver and Black. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Burrow is going to throw it here on third down. Throws it in underneath. Not going to get the first down. It's going to be short of it. 
by four yards, and the Raiders have done their job. The Bengals are forced to punt. JT, back with you. Brent Mutzberger on the call. I'm really enjoying our look back at the draft. Now we're in the 80s. want to thank the Raiders alumni team for everything they do for us, and thrilled to talk to Greg Townsend again and hear his draft story and how he became a Raider legend. Greg, I hope you're doing well. Good to talk to you again. I hope everything's been great to you so far. Thanks for joining us. JT, it's always good to hear from you, and, and it's always good to talk with you as, as, as well. So, yeah, uh, the draft day for me, it was uh, a day from heaven. Um, I didn't think I was going to get drafted. That's to be, let me be honest with that. I was a 235-pound defensive tackle coming out of a small school called TCU, so I didn't expect to get drafted. I was going to show up and give it the college try, if you will. Uh, but I was um, on draft day. I was washing my car, uh, thinking nothing of the draft again, like I said. And uh, I got an infamous phone call from Dan Connor. <laughs> and, wow. and he told me I was selected in the fourth round by the Los Angeles Raiders, man. Me and my mom jumped up and down. We, we hugged and cried. We just didn't, couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. Because, matter of fact, when the phone rang, it rang like about three times, and she said, answer the phone, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, Greg, I mean, I've talked to other teammates of yours, and we did the 70s and the 60s. I'm amazed at how many of you guys didn't think the phone was going to ring. I mean, you had to have a conversation ahead of time. You know there were scouts involved. I mean, you guys are all humble, and you talk down this experience, but you really thought in the back of your mind it would be later than that or you'd be an undrafted free agent and have to prove yourself? I mean, come on, I'm 235 pounds. Yeah. I'm to play defense again. I, what, what was I supposed to think? Oh, they're going to come looking for me? No, no, not at all. I was more or less looking for them. And you're right. There were scouts involved. And, and uh, I had some good, uh, 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 I don't know what you want to call them, but when, when they came to work us out, I mm-hmm. had some good workouts. Because, you know, I was, I was a speedster, so... I was busting four fives at, at times, and I was busting four five five. So I know that was getting some attention, but I mean, I didn't think I was going to play defensive end <laughs> in the pros. <laughs> Greg Townsend joins us. So tell me about Mr. Davis when he first saw you, and after the phone call from Dan Connors, and you get there, you get to training camp because clearly Mr. Davis. He's making all the decisions back then, like he always should have been doing because of his eye for talent. What was that like? What did he tell you in those first couple of sessions on why he picked you and maybe picked you earlier than you thought? You know, um, I couldn't I couldn't get a beat on that. Mm-hmm. I could never get a beat that he was enjoying what he picked or what, what was out there. I just could never get a beat on that. So I uh, – I can't answer that one like I think I like I think you want me to answer. But I can say this though: um, when I did get to camp, Tom Flores pulled me to the side, and he says, "You know Don Kloppenberg?" I said, "Yes, I know Don Kloppenberg. He was my coach at junior college at Long Beach City College." And he said, "Yeah, Don was my center at, at, in college," and he told me during a coaching clinic if your name came up. I need to check you out. Incredible. And I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at looking at him. He said, and check that out. He said, yeah. And I gave the film to my defensive line coach, who was Earl Leggett at the time. 
He says, uh, and Earl came back five minutes later after looking at the film, said, yeah, we want to get him. That, that was impressive to me, you know, mm-hmm. when the head coach and the D-line coach kind of came together on some kind of head, head, head uh, trip and says, we want to get this guy. Now, that's who I didn't want to disappoint more than Mr. Davis, if you will. The guys who went out there and stuck they, what I call stick their neck out to get somebody like myself. Greg Townsend is our guest, Raider legend. Looking back at that draft, Don Mosbar, first round. Bill Pacquiao, second round. Tony Caldwell, linebacker, third round. You in the fourth round. Then Doki Williams. Also, Mervin yeah. Fernandez in the tenth round. Mervin from – I'm looking at the years. I'm looking at the years you guys yeah. played. You, 83 yeah. to 97. Caldwell, 83 to 87. Pakel 83 to 94. Mosbar, 93 to 94. What was your early memory with that draft class and your brothers coming in? That's a hell of a class. That is a hell of a class. And uh, the first person I met in that class was uh, Bill Pakel. Mm-hmm. And Bill Pakel was a big guy. So when I met him – I'm thinking, yeah, he's looked like he looked like a pro. <laughs> he looked like a pro already. And then I was rooming with uh, I first room with Doki Williams until the one day he got up and left me sleep and almost missed practice. I told him I wanted to be out of his room <laughs> or him out of my room. We want to say phrase it. And then to- I wind up rooming with Tony Caldwell, uh, who was a a great linebacker who just couldn't get his jive going once he played, because we had some great linebackers out there <laughs> at the time. And uh, that Don Mosbar is the gentleman. I mean, he's, he's, he's the awesome USC cat that I ever want to meet. I remember one time I was getting some water, and he says, how you doing, Mr. Townsend? I was like, Donnie, you ain't got to call me Mr. Townsend. He said, yeah, that's what you do when you respect people. I'm just like, you guys are crazy. Yeah, you guys are crazy, man. Greg Townsend is our guest. So, Greg, you heard the rumors. I mean, you come from Dominguez, Compton, California. You go to TCU. You come to the L.A. Raiders in the 80s, man. I've read books about the 80s in L.A. From everything that was happening around, from drugs to gang violence to football to celebrity, the Sunset Strip. What was it like knowing the town, getting dropped back in the town, fighting for your position and an opportunity to play? What were the distractions like, or how did you keep the distractions at at bay? Well, you know, I come from a good background. My mom and dad, they instilled in me uh, a lot of uh, uh, good uh, uh, will, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were churchgoers. That's why I went to TCU. And matter of fact, I'm still coaching over at Compton College now still. So I'm just out there trying to still uh, make sure the the city has a good name or good people that come back and and show up and show out, if you will. And uh, the way I just did it just kept my nose clean. I had had a daughter, too, when I came to Crows. My daughter was about four or five years old at the time, maybe six. And uh, so I, I just had that kind of deal to deal with than the other stuff to deal with. So I just kept my nose clean and kept it to the grind, and that's what I'm teaching these kids out here today. Greg Townsend is our guest. Rich Murata, former play-by-play voice, reminded me in 83 on Monday night game, you picked up a dolphin fumble and ran it back 60 yards for a TD, and your greatest games were against Elway and the Broncos. You and I talked about that. Several times when I've had you on the radio, 
you know, once a Raider, always a Raider, because in your career, the Eagles move and then back to the Raiders. Seems like out of all the people I interview, the Raiders are in your blood, your DNA. I mean, this is everything in your life as a football player. And to get drafted by this team and have an unbelievable career with so many highlight moments, it all goes back to that draft, Greg. If you don't get selected at 110 and you get selected at 107 or 114 or 119, it's a completely different life. When you look at fate, how important was that draft pick and how it changed your life as a man? Man, you're giving me chills over here, JT. I'm getting just chills thinking about all that stuff. You're right, because it, it, it was a really – you're right. I don't see myself doing nothing else but playing for the Raiders, man, because when Tom Floyd stuck his neck out there for me, I felt obligated to him as he probably did to me. Then when Earl Leggett got hold to me, and taught me some technique. I got out there and on the field, and it was working. <laughs> and then it became this this matrimony thing with the, uh, the me wanting to make big plays all the time. And uh, how I used to do that, and I felt like I used to do that. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had that kind of will because I used to eat nachos Saturdays before the game, <laughs> and I and I hated I hated at that time I hated jalapenos. So I felt like if I can eat a jalapeno, I deserve a sack (laughs) on Sunday. So, um, I mean, I can only do about three. And this is the honest God truth. I used to do three, and I did expect three sacks in that game. And that was the mindset. That was just my mindset. Earl Leggett was a coach who never – you can never satisfy him and by him under, by me understanding I could never satisfy him, I never was going to be satisfied on the field with one sack, two sacks, or fumble cause, or fumble recovery. I just, I just want to keep playing, keep doing it, keep doing it. So that was the thing about that. And, and then when I became that guy for the Raiders, you know, the all-time sack leader, the, the, the uh, guy that got the most touchdowns, the most fumble recalls, most fumble recoveries, interceptions, and touchdowns, I just thought, you know, then – I done made my mark here, and I'm hoping everybody uh, see that, man, this guy came from obscurity uh, from there, and he became now our best defensive lineman that pretty much played for the Raiders. Everybody's chasing Greg Townsend now. They are. Greg Townsend, our guest. Before we wrap this up, so many people ask me, why isn't Greg in the Hall of Fame? We'll get to Cliff in a second. What answer do you give everybody? 109 and a half sacks. The false fumbles, the interceptions, as you mentioned, playing for the fame Raiders, getting a Super Bowl ring. How do you handle that and live with that, knowing how passionate you are that you should be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, I, I think of the Hall of Fame as, uh, you know, passing me by. Yeah, you're right. And how do I answer that? I just tell the people who, who, who speaks the, on that about to me that if I'm in your Hall of Fame, I'm cool with that. I am so cool with that. Maybe it's something else. I'm supposed to be in some other fame because the Hall of Fame, I'm maybe too big for that. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, we got all them great players in there, and these great players can't even choose who should be in the Hall with them. And that's a crime. So when I, when I, when, when I, I just can't, I can't make a guy mm. watch football because, 
that's what you have to do to see me. I didn't do a lot of hoopla. I didn't do a lot of media. I didn't do a lot of commercials. I didn't do a lot of anything. I did my job and I went home. That's what I did. And so that's why people probably don't have an idea who who the Raiders all-time sack leader is. Well, I do. I've known for a while, and the career has been amazing. Let's get to Cliff and Clifford getting in the Hall of Fame. You know he's Mark Davis's, was Mark's best friend. You know how important it was to clean up that injustice by the Hall of Fame. Cliff won't be there for the party. His family will be, his former teammates. Can you share a story in the beginning when you came in as he was a veteran and, and how he helped along the way and how important this milestone is for him and his family and the Raiders? Cliff was a was was a now you talking about a raider he's a raider you you can't go I mean I was a little kid watching Cliff Branch play and and and, and watching that twenty one going down the field and stretching the defense and and then got to know the guy he's a genuine guy too he, I loved I love Cliff Branch I did a lot of signings with Cliff Branch I did a lot of appearance with Cliff Branch they told me Cliff was going to be there. I just knew I was. I wanted to be there too. I just love the guy, and I, and I'm angry that he's not alive to 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 be honored like this. Um, that's that's that's. I'm angry. Mm-hmm. So my Cliff story is, I'm, I wish he was here to get his award because he deserved it. He deserved it, and. And I'm just, I'm just angry that yeah. he won't be here to get it. Yeah, I hear that a lot, Greg. And I think everybody's going to have a tough time and have to put that behind them, and now turn it into a party mode because that's what Cliff would want, right? You know, Cliff, Cliff knew everybody was fighting for him, and we've talked about it many times. And now, if everybody can kind of take that vibe and move it to a positive you're, you're side, like, we got to, we got to turn it around. We got to turn that anger into some party mode. You're right. Hey, Greg, so last one. Last, what, yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's what he would want. You're right, JT. And you know him, you know him good, too, you know, because that's what he would want. And I'm glad you said that. Finally, Mad Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. I've told this to Fred Bolitnikoff. When I see Fred sitting on the bench with Hunter Renfro, it almost brings a tear to my eye because you see the legend with the new young player. And I hope you're around more because I see you at the games pre-game for you to look at Max 10 minutes before the game, and now Chandler Jones, who has more sacks than anyone since 2012, and it's 2022. I think it's going to be great for you to be around these guys as the Raiders now are coming off 10 wins and got to take it even higher with this new coaching staff. How excited are you for the upcoming season? You know, I, like I said, I'm over at Compton College. I'm coaching over there, so it's going to be hard for me to make some games, but uh I would wish that uh, the Raiders would pull me in there to just, like you said, just to be around the boys. Because I know with Hunter Renfro, he was catching those little nuggets that that Fred Freddie was dropping, and you know, and that's what that's what we do. We just drop little nuggets to these young young kids to make sure that they can get ahead of this thing before it gets ahead of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because if we can show them a, or teach them or drop a, a hint to them, like do this, do that. You should think about this. Think about that. You should try this. That's that. And I mean, it's got to speak volume because you know, if it works for Freddie, it got, it could work for, for Hunter Renfro. And if it works for Greg Townsend, it could work for Matt Crosby and Joe Chandler Jones.
Absolutely. And I'll reach out to both of them, too. Greg, thanks for the time. Really memorable conversation. I can't wait to see you out here more. Continued success with your coaching and your family. And thanks so much for sharing your draft story with us. Thank you, too, JT. I love you, brother. Thank you, brother. Love you, too. Greg Townsend. Wow. I've gotten four or five text messages during that interview from people just saying, wow. Here's one. More from Greg, please. It's an important interview, man. There's a lot There's a lot there to unpack with Greg Townsend. And looking back at his career, which you and the Raider Nation probably know more than I do, about why he isn't in the Hall of Fame as the all-time sack leader, what he have done, the impact that he had, and where he ranks all-time. I mean, his name has got to be on the top of your list for most underrated Raiders of all time. Maybe he wasn't underrated. As he said, he's got a Super Bowl ring, two Pro Bowls, the All-Pro recognition, four-time All-Pro selection. I mean, the guy was a beast. He was incredible. And the weight gain and what he was able to do and then the teammates that he played with, really special there. Look, not everybody gets into the Hall of Fame and the Raiders, you know, the politics behind the Hall of Fame. It's gotten cleaned up a little bit lately with Tom Flores and Cliff. And there's still a lot of work to do. But Greg Townsend should be front and center in your conversations going forward. And uh, Max Crosby. How about that? Max Crosby just reaching out to me. Send me the link of that interview. How about that? Mad Max. You think he likes Raider Nation Radio? Mad Max. Send me that link from Mad Max. I will get that to him by the end of the show. How about a comment on Greg Townsend at 702-365-9200? If if he's one of your heroes, one of the players you liked uh, the most, and uh, if you want to talk about his draft story as we continue this week, we have more surprises coming up later. Uh, What a job they're doing back in the facility getting me these guests. We really appreciate that. When we come back, uh, Laker news, I'll get to that. Uh, Next hour, the news on Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders. The Wolves are at the door. Could Daniel Snyder be removed as the owner of the Washington Commanders? It looks that way. Could he have ripped off the other owners by holding back ticket sale money? If it's true, he's done. I'll get into that next hour. This is Raider Nation Radio. Evans is his running back. He's a safety. In trouble and down he goes. Mad Max Crosby with a sack number 52 against Burrow this season. And Mad Max leads the swim off the field. And the Bengals are forced to punt. And now it's time. Brett Mutzberger on the call. Bobby's grabbing some great sound bites from last year as we continue. Thanks again to Greg Townsend who joined us, former Raiders defensive end, on his draft story coming out of TCU. And as I told him in the interview, it's just shocking. You know, the guys from the 60s, 70s, now we're getting into the 80s. A lot of them didn't know when they were going to be drafted. They just were hanging out. And Mike Ciani told us he went to a payphone in his dorm and got the call. Payphone, he first-round pick. Greg Townsend, his mom, pick up the phone, pick up the phone. Back then it was a different era. The draft was not as big as it is today where everybody's wearing a suit and they're in the green room and they got jewelry and a brand new suit and their agent and everybody there. It wasn't the case back then. It's a random phone call. They didn't know when they were going to go. 
And Greg Townsend talking about being so undersized back at the time, he didn't think he'd get drafted. And he goes in the fourth round, and he has this incredible career. Great story there. Gangster Raider on Ship of the Raiders start off the week. How are you? Hey, what's up, JT? I want to thank you for that interview because Greg Townsend, he's one of the my favorite Raiders. It's like he be forgotten. It's like he gets forgotten a lot in Raider history. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, he's my third favorite Raider behind Marcus Allen, Bo Jackson, then him, then Jim Plunkett, and Ty Christensen. You know what I'm saying? I'm a L.A. Raider favorite. When I was a fan when they was in Oakland the first time. It's just them um, L.A. Raiders. They just resonate so much with me. You know what I'm saying? In that interview, man, that was awesome. And also, we got to talk about getting Jim Plunkett in there. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Everybody be talking about the next Raider to go. What's up with Jim Plunkett? He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. You know what I mean? And we got to rally for him while he's still alive. Let's not wait for him to die. You know, have to get in like Cliff. You know what I'm saying? Well, I want to thank you for that interview. And also, why y'all keep talking about these loser Lakers? The best team in L.A. is the Clippers, and we're actually a playoff team. The Lakers ain't going to make the playoffs, but y'all always talking about the Lakers. just like loser Jerry. Yeah, but well, anyway. I got I to talk about the Lakers. Appreciate the call, gangster, because the Clippers don't move the needle. And I got to move the needle on radio. I got bosses, advertisers, people here, and no one talks about the clip joint. You might like them, but the world loves the Lakers, and the Lakers are a dumpster fire. We're going to get into it next hour. Kurt Heelan is going to join us, so I want to get into that conversation. As a matter of fact, I have sound here. I want to play this before the top of the hour, before our guest Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. LeBron's going to pass Kareem all time in scoring, and Kareem is not thrilled about the way LeBron has carried himself on a couple of big topics, here's Kareem on LeBron. I admire the things that he's done uh, that have uh, you know, gotten all of our attention. Uh, sending a whole school to college, wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. His thoughtfulness and willingness to uh, back it up with his wallet, again, you know, you got to give him credit for that. You know, so I, you know, I'm not throwing stones. I just uh, wish he wouldn't uh, something. You know, some of the things he's done, he, he should be embarrassed about. Some of the things he's done, he should be embarrassed by. That's Kareem saying that about LeBron. He should be embarrassed by. Well, what is this? His stance with China on the Hong Kong issue. Uh, the issues with police officers when they get shot. Or some of the tweets that he sent out in regards to police conduct and all that. Other issues, you know, that he said in the past, political issues. Kareem, when you think about civil rights and what he's done, no one alive can top Kareem other than Bill Russell and Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali's passed away. When Kareem talks, people listen. And that's, that could get uncomfortable next year as LeBron's going to pass Kareem, and Kareem's going to have to be involved. He's going to have to be right there when that happens. And it'll be interesting to see what their relationship is like when that deal goes down. Jared in Vegas, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Jared is gone. Which is beautiful when you're a radio host and you got a guy on hold and you want to go to and they're gone. It's kind of like going out in your backyard. You're about to give someone a beer and then they, they ran over the wall and they're not there. Opens up a line for you. 702-365-9200. And I want to pay respects to Rich Murata, who I mentioned uh, last segment, who was listening. His mom passed away. And uh, Rich is a good friend. And with the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame and everything Rich has done in the world of a broadcaster, which is monumental, Raiders... Kings, boxing, a very good friend and a great friend of the show. Godspeed to Rich as his mom just passed away. And she had a brilliant life. So I'm happy he was able to hear us. Uh, Kurt Heelan's going to join us next hour from Basketball Talk. 
And when we come back, uh, Daniel Snyder could be out as the owner of the Commanders if Congress has a say. That's coming up.